Welcome to the Battle Buddy Podcast with Keith McKeever. Welcome back to another episode of the Battle Buddy Podcast. I am joined by an author and a fellow podcaster, uh, a fellow Illinoisan. Uh, i got uh, author Jennifer Hobbs here with me today. Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It is a pleasure. That is. I, I am, I've been so excited to have this conversation. Um, one of the things I do as a podcaster is I won't uh, usually have an author on unless I've read their book. Of course, I didn't read your book. I listened to it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did the audio version. Multitasking, you know. Yeah. Um, but there is a lot, uh, a lot to unpack in your story because, well, for starters, it's an interesting way that you wrote it. And it's from your perspective and your husband's perspective, and it mm-hmm. flips back and forth. Uh, and then, as you're re- you know listening to it, I guess in, in my case, it was, it was like, wow, this is really unique because it's not just a story about being a veteran or being in war. It's past relationships, rocky relationships, growing up, war, falling in love, trying to figure that out while yeah. in the combat zone and the and the complexities of it. And what really hit me was, I don't think it's a super unique. It's unique to you, but. I think that there's a lot of people that deployed and ended up falling in love with somebody. Maybe those relationships didn't last. I know you and uh, your husband are still together after many years now, but some people, you know, people get together and date when they're in the war zone. We, we all saw that. Right. Um, so I think that there's a little something that every, every veteran of our generation can kind of pull from it and, and, and see something. So, but before we get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Jennifer Hobbs. Uh, prior to marrying my husband, Ryan Hobbs, I got to give space and a shout out to my maiden name, Buffington, because in the military, uh, being Buffington, you know, everyone is too lazy to say my last name. So they just called me Buff. So a lot of people know me as Jen Buff, even people uh, that I went to high school with. <clears throat> so many nicknames. Buff and Booty, Boo Sniffer, like not that they like came from anywhere. It's just you could there's so much you could do with it. And so um I started as Jen Buff in my uh when I joined the military at 17 years old, I pretty much knew by 16 that I was going to join. And, and so I joined when I was still in high school and it was only a couple of years before my unit, uh, transportation unit at a Paris, Illinois, shout out to Paris. Um, we were mobilized and, uh, we, we actually, as you'll, you read and anyone who reads in the book, we didn't go the first time that they mobilized us. We just packed all our stuff up, told us happy Valentine's day and sent us on our way home. And then about nine months later, that was when um, they called us on veterans day and told us once again, we were getting mobilized. And so I was mobilized at 19 years old. I turned 20 and 21 on the deployment as did quite a few other people in my unit a lot of people from central Illinois, most of which were between the ages of 19 and like 26. And so that started the beginning of like a year that would just pretty much change my life. A year, I I describe it as the worst year of my life, but the best year of my life. And, you know, the worst year being that it was the most traumatic year as far as uh, really getting thrown into a combat zone young and all those hard emotions and uh, all of that that comes with it. But the best year of my life, because number one, I take away from that uh, deployment some of the most 
monumental relationships that I have in my life that, that mean so much to me and help shape who I am, but also the best year of my life, because again, it helped to shape who I was. I, it helped me to find, you know, to just now 18 years later to have grown to a place to where I, I taste the, the sweet taste of life better, you know, and I, I have more gratefulness for it. And, and, and it just helps me to really try and grow myself and just continue on a path of being the person I want to be. And so now I, uh, I spent 12 years, uh, in education, seven were in special education and the other five were in general education. And then after writing my book in that year of, uh, much self-reflection and personal growth, I reignited this flame that's been burning inside of me for like eight years. And that is to find where and how I can best help veterans and their families. And I just know that that, you know, when it, when it finally came time for me to make that decision, I just knew it was the right decision. I, I knew it. And I was like, how, how can I make this happen? And so I'm like laying all this out, like, oh my gosh, a lot of fear comes at you at that point. Like Jennifer, you're completely crazy. You have two master's degrees in teaching 12 years. You're saying goodbye to a pension, you know, all that fear that can come your way. And on top of the fear that was already overwhelming me with writing a book. Um, But in that place of reflection, um, I just knew, I knew that that was, that I needed to step out of the fear and into this space where I'm going to continue following the path of who I know I meant to be. And so this past year has been my first year after resignation and I have started my own podcast, which I never thought that I would do. But as I pondered it more and realized I got a whole lot to say, (laughs) and I want to help other people with all they have to say. And I can't make all that happen in, in books, I guess I could, but I do want to keep writing, but I also want to give space for other people to be able to share their stories and their journeys so we can continue to offer hope to other people and also give people a space to be able to relate and and then also like let down these stigmas and start having conversations about what is really going on and and face it head on and and grow together as as a society and so got the podcast I'm wrapping up book two almost to the editing phase which I'm not excited about I like to write Keith I don't like to proofread Hey, I, I am with you there. I am working on a book myself more in, on the real estate side yeah. of things uh, for veterans. But uh, yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. I'm, right I'm going to have somebody else do all the editing and all the proofreading and stuff. It's, let me just get my thoughts down and let them finally massage it and make it look good. Yes. Because I went to public schools. You know, I, <laughs> English and grammar was never my thing. My, my wife is my editor in chief. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta ask somebody like that. Fantastic! That's that's so great to hear. Well, she tells me all the time to cor- correct my grammar and stuff in Facebook posts. Yeah, you forgot an apostrophe here. You know, it's not my strong suit for crying out loud. I think people get what I'm trying to say. Like, right. I may miss something here and there, like one thing, you know. But 
Yeah, it's a it's a heck of a process. But it's that interesting it is. You got your got your story down. Um, and it's interesting you kind of mentioned growth. Obviously, that's in the title, calm the growth after trauma. I've got it scrolling at the bottom, and I'll have the in the show notes as well the the link where people can find it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, but you picked a really good title and, and tied all that in because there wasn't much that was calm. Like your your life was hectic as a young yes. adult and relationships and stuff like that. But so what, what was the defining moment that made you sit down and say, I have to write this story? Good question. Um, it was, it was me like hitting uh, a dark place again. Uh, two years ago, I woke up in the ICU and um, I had fainted and cracked my skull and in the following months of dealing with, I, I cracked my skull in two places. I fainted backwards and um, just all this, you know, 90 pounds I got, not really, all this weight going back and smacking the back of my head off of the ground. Oh my goodness, like broke the strongest part of my skull. And then the impact alone caused a, frac- uh, a crack on uh, the left side of my head. And so... In those months following that, um, you know, four days later, I was supposed to be catching a plane to go be in my best friend's wedding. Um, That didn't happen, obviously. And then, like, they had to get a teacher to cover my classroom for two months as I was home recovering from this excruciating pain that was just constantly throbbing and, um, and, and, lights and sounds, all that stimulation, it was far too much. So you can only imagine what it's like when, you know, your three kids get home from school and your husband mm-hmm. and, and your spouse, like there was, was never a quiet moment in the house at that point. Oh, and, and, and that's, oh man, like trying to enjoy your kids, but like wanting earmuffs on and the lights turned off. That's, that's was super difficult. And so in the following months, as I was trying to they, right as I was about to go back to school, I, w- I was I got cleared by the neurologist, and although I was super afraid to go back to work just because of everything, right? The pain was excruciating. I was afraid I was going to faint again. I realized like it's going to be okay. Like if I'm there and something goes wrong, I just need to let them know I need someone to cover. A help of a colleague helped to, you know, pump me up and get ready to go back. And so just as I was anticipating going back on a Monday and my neurologist appointment was on like a Thursday or Friday, the state of Illinois quarantined the whole state, oh, well, Pritzker quarantined the whole state. And um, suddenly here I thought I was going to go back to a little bit of normalcy. And then my life was far from normal, recovering from a head injury and being a virtual teacher and a virtual parent. It was all um, not exactly what uh, I was expecting and didn't handle it with grace. Uh, Tried to, tried to get, I, I mean, I did, I got back in the flow of teaching. It was so great to see my students. And then once the year wrapped up, still just being in a place where I don't know. I re- it was just, it was like, I, w- I needed to find some normalcy. I couldn't taste, I couldn't smell, you know, lights, sounds, everything was just brutal. And in an attempt to feel a little bit of normalcy, I thought I would, you know, have a beer and that was a terrible idea. I couldn't taste at all. And so like, 
I, that just was not a good idea. I couldn't taste it. And so that one went down well. And so did the next, you know, however many. And then, so it was in the end of May that, um, I just identified like, good grief. I do not want to be this person. Like, this isn't me. I know I'm just built for so much more and I have goals, hopes, dreams, aspirations. Where's that person? Where's that Jennifer? And so uh, it was then that I was like, all right, I need to set some goals. And being a teacher, I knew like, we don't need to set like 10 goals, right? Like that's way too much. We need to start small. And so I really, I wrote it down in my notes and I said like tackle debt and number two, get back to writing, which was super random considering my uh, writing efforts were very sporadic over the last 18 years and really were just uh, more as a coping mechanism. But something in me told me I wanted to get back to writing. And so from there in that dark place, it, it started to grow a little bit and a lot of different things watered it. And fortunately I, I persevered and, and I came over all that fear, uh, which is a big deal for us, any of us doing anything like fear is a beast. And so being able to just identify that you're better than that fear is a huge, huge obstacle in itself. It is kind of scary sometimes whether you're talking about it or, or I guess writing about it. I haven't done that yet, but um, to share your stories, you know, for such a pivotal moment in our young lives, um, mm-hmm. to be in a combat zone, all the crazy stuff, you know, that we, what we all see is, is all different, but it all affects us in all kinds of crazy ways. And it's kind of hard to open that up. It's, it's easy in the, in the veteran community to talk because we all know. Mm-hmm. In some way, like we, we understand Absolutely. But in the civilian world to open that up where a civilian could pick up your book and read and hear your story and just be like, wow, like that's, that's crazy. That's incredible. You know, it's, it's, there's like this vulnerability to it that mm-hmm. it's kind of scary to do that. It really is. And, you know, I wonder, I, and I tiptoe around saying this, but I wonder like, what would it have looked like if my husband and I didn't marry? Would I have been in a place where I felt comfortable to be vulnerable? Would I have been supported like that? Um, hopefully, yes. And I and I tiptoe around saying that because I don't want anybody listening to this or watching this to think that you need to be married to a veteran or someone who's had your same struggle in order to put your story down because it's so not the case. But fortunately... Um, when I told my husband that I wanted to take my story and make it a dual memoir, which was a great suggestion by my go- my book coach, because as I'm telling her about like certain events, she's like, wow, so he was here and you were here while that happened? And then she had made the suggestion, wow, it would be really incredible if you made it like a dual memoir. And so I owe that credit to her. And luckily, when I approached him with it, Uh, He was on board and uh, I was so grateful for that. But through all those conversations throughout the year or less of um, digging deep into those places, uh, he, you could just tell that it was therapeutic for both of us separately, but also together. Um, So it was a, it was a really great experience to take something that, was traumatic that you try and bury into the depths of your mind and 
bring it to the forefront, to put it out there and identify that that doesn't, that doesn't make your future. Like your past does not shape your future next necessarily. Yeah, sure. It helps because you were both there together or basically there together for, Mm -hmm. for most of that deployment and to be able to kind of pull that up when, you know, 16, 17, 18 years later and discuss Mm -hmm. it when you're more mature and you've had time to reflect on it. I'm sure that was, obviously that'd be really healing. And you know what? I would love to, to tell you. um, So when you were talking about calmed being a great title, wow. When, so the way that I got that title, which you may have caught it in the book and I'm not sure. I wonder how many people even catch it in the book. But um, when I heard this statement from my husband, it hit me like a ton of bricks. And I just knew that that needed to be the title. And what it was um, in, in my book, when I'm talking about the night where he was hit by a roadside bomb and um, he gets finally out for they, they get him out from under the truck that he was trapped under and he's in and out of consciousness and he's finally on the medevac. And I asked him cause he, he was letting me know that um, another one of our, our sergeants was in that same truck and was on that medevac. And I asked my husband, like, did you see him? Did you hear him? How did you know he was on that medevac? And it was so profound because it's so not even words that would come out my husband's mouth. So it just made it that even stronger. But he said, all right, I don't think I said that right. It just made it even strong. It just made it stronger. He said, um, you know, I couldn't see him. I couldn't hear him. It was just that uh, I knew someone I knew was there because I just, I just felt calmed. And that's, I, I, I was mystified. Like that was such an amazing, um, intuitive feeling and intuitive thought to, to speak out loud. And it, and I was like, wow, that, that is perfect. Especially, you know, as I'm taking a look at, you know, this traumatic year and all the aftermath, but then getting to a place where you are calmed and you're still going to have this trauma, but you're calmed a little bit and you're ready to take it on. And so that's where that title came from. Yeah. I remember catching that part in there. Good. And, uh, yeah. So let's well, not one person that did, <laughs> at <No>. least, <laughs> but uh, yes, that would be very calming to know that you've got somebody that, you know, that you're not alone. Yeah. You know, and I think that's what's, that, that's what helps people. Obviously. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why my podcast is called the battle buddy podcast. Let people know that they're not I alone. Love the name of it. And that no matter what you're going through, somebody else has been through something, you know, probably one of the reasons why I've been excited to have this conversation with you about, about your book, because it's, there's so many little aspects, like I said earlier, that every veteran of our war can kind of know and understand, you know, the idea of convoys and roadside bombs and injuries and, you know, just the knowing the general environment, you know, every base mm-hmm. is different, but you kind of, you know, everybody knows what the Hesco barrier and a T-wall is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, just things like that, they, it just connects. And then I think, you know, there's this audience of military spouses uh, or, or people, like I said earlier, that found some sort of romance while at, at war can understand it because it's unique to our generation. If you think it about is. it, I read it really a lot of is. books when I was in high school about the Vietnam War and anytime they really reference women in there, it's 
the nurse or, um, you know, ladies working the streets in the, in the village. Uh-huh. I, you know, I mean, like yeah. that is the reference to women because women just weren't really there. Um, but in our generation, you know, more and more as time even went on, you got more and more women serving and more on the yes. front line and sharing those same experiences. So, um, yeah, I mean, I remember a lot of people that were dating, you know, here and there, Oh, this person's dating, you know, three months later, they're dating somebody else or whatever, but, uh, mm-hmm. um, it's a unique perspective. I think a lot of people can, can know. And we have a couple appreciate. marriages. We have a couple marriages that came out of our deployment. <laughs> uh, we have 160 people in our unit and probably if I remember right, the number of girls is like 40. I would, I would imagine it's much more likely to be that way in a guard unit like you were where, mm-hmm. you know, when you come home, you're in the same neighborhood bumping into, you know, these people you work with right. in a grocery store, gas station, et cetera. So I'm, I'm, I was kind of curious about that too. Your husband, obviously he was on board. How much did he actually help you in writing? And then how much did reaching out to some of your battle buddies, did you, did you do reach out to them to kind of fill in blanks on stories? Yes. Um, yes, absolutely. And I hope with my, uh, third book in the future, or if it ends up being, you know, a, a not number three, but a different one. I really hope to get different perspectives of the war at home. But my husband and I, it was through a lot of conversations where I, I, you know, I knew where I wanted to get his side of the story with things. And so I would put my phone on uh, voice recording and we would just sit there and have a conversation, some of which or super uncomfortable. Um, some of which like he didn't even remember. And then next thing you know, 18 years later, like he's mad at me. We're arguing and that kind of hot mess. (laughs) But, um, as far as my battle buddies, like in addition to reaching out to, you know, see if I could use their name, but I was also, um, like in my book, you know, I used portions of what was, spoken at Jessica Covey's memorial. And so um, being able to honor her with those amazing words that people spoke there was such an honor to do on her behalf. Um, But I also, you know, hope that my battle buddies realize just how amazing their words were. Um, But as far as getting a lot of people's perspective, perspectives that's kind of been going on for just 18 years right you know like I'm, I, I remain friends with quite a few people and um we started out having like reunion like a reunion every year and then we voted on making it uh, a non-for-profit and so now we have uh veterans of log base sites which i'm wearing the shirt right now that's an interesting idea yeah, so we we started Veterans of Log Base Sites and because we served on a base called Log Base Sites. We lived there. And um, so through those conversations over 18 years, that's just all the stuff that continues to to remain with me and that I carry with me and that it helped me to put it all together um, to the best of my ability in this book. But I did find, you know, the hardest part I found with my book was talking about the war at home and everything that came afterwards. Once I got there, I was like, holy moly, this is a whole nother story in itself. And so that's where uh, book number two will go. But I definitely did get the perspective of like 
my father-in-law, which I call my soda pop. Uh, we call him soda pop. And like, you know, I had told a story in there about one night when they're fishing. And so I kind of wanted to get his uh, perspective. I also um, got their perspective on when they got called from Germany and basically were told that Ryan wasn't going to make it and they were about to put him on a plane, uh, them on a plane. Um, so that's stuff that will again be, it'll be highlighted when I look at the war at home and how it affects, uh, how it ripples into everyone else's lives for years to come, not just while we are in Iraq, but how your wife has to deal with you for the rest of your life. No, I'm just kidding. But you know, like for example, um, like on my on my podcast, my I, I do Thursdays with my battle buddy Perry the Wild Man, and we were having a chat recently about Santa or Stalin, and just talking about how like our our brains um, are different uh, for the people who have uh, post traumatic stress and. Um, and how sometimes our reaction it does not fit the the stimulus. It's like an overreaction or the expected re- reaction that you know yes. c- civilians or people without it would. Right. Yeah. And we were talking about that, and I was telling him an example of a Stalin moment I had recently, where like I bought my daughter one of those like six dollar pink drinks from Starbucks, and it ended up all over the floor in my garage, and. Ooh, overreaction on my part and but I was able I'm in touch enough with myself to see it as it was happening I'm like oh my gosh this was definitely not a Santa moment for me and so again like my kids see these things in uh in me and my husband and that's just some, something that's a part of their life and they will always they will always be you know children of military parents and so like you know, that, that combat, that trauma, it just ripples into the lives of everyone else for a lifetime. And what we do with it is, you know, what's really going to determine the outcome of it. I love that you call your podcast Battle Buddy Podcast because, you know, I think it's really important, especially one of the things that I've really started to um, dive into through personal development in the last year that like, it is up to us, like how we deal with, like react, respond to things and what we do with what we've been given and what we've gone through. However, you don't do it alone. Like we are not, we are not put in a world, in a life, in a body where you're expected to take that stuff on, on your own. You need that support. You need that support system. You need that battle buddy. That you do. And, um, Boy, you, you said ripple, and that that really hits close to home because I, for years, did not. I could I had complete blinders on that anything I did, any of that stuff was wrong because you know the the, the whole Santa Stalin thing. Um, I always kind of saw what TV portrays PTS right as you know punching your wife and pushing her down the stairs like right. It, Sounds graphic and terrible, but like that's un- unfortunately what TV and movies try to portray. That wasn't me, you know. I never punched a hole in the wall, never hit anybody, you know. But I would have those moments where I just snap right into action, or mm-hmm. snappy comment, or just get really angry, or the opposite, to the point where I would just 
shut my mouth and self-isolate in my office, mm-hmm. play video games, try to ignore the world, just just ignore the problem away. And but when those blinders come off, it's it's like ripping a, a band-aid off a fresh wound. It stings. It stings really, really hard. But you can't you can't grow until you do that. Until you realize what yeah. you're doing. And it is weird to see I'm still working on it. Sometimes I see it. Sometimes I don't. But to to see in the process of doing something that you're doing something wrong, that your response mm-hmm. to it's not normal, quote unquote normal, whatever normal right. is these days. You know, and then you can be like, okay, all right, calm down, breathe, try some tips. You know, step away for a couple of minutes, get away from the environment, whatever, and then you know. The key is to go back and not self-isolate, but that's a hard thing to to be around kids, you know, because that was yeah. one of my thoughts was um, I was like, I got to get a handle on this the best I can because I don't want my kids to grow up and to say, oh, you know, I had a great dad, but right. my dad did this. My dad did that. You know, that's like the worst thing. Uh-huh. It's like you, you don't 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 want that on the on the children. So. It sounds like we're both Absolutely. kind of in the same place of trying to, to navigate all that. Right. It just probably continues. We're going to probably have to continue to do that for years. Uh-huh. Maybe the rest of our lives trying to navigate that. But, you know. And it, but it, is so, it is so good. And it's a celebration that you and myself and anyone else who's at the point to rip that Band-Aid off. Because that Band-Aid is like duct tape. Like, I love duct tape. Don't get me wrong. But we have to be like an architect an architect of our own life and rebuild these thoughts. Like you're never going to be able to remove them. You have to rebuild it. You have to know like, okay, I need to breathe. Like, okay, like pause for a minute. You have to rebuild all that. You have to reshape the the memories and which is, is it's totally a long process. Like even those words right there saying you have to reshape your mindset and those thoughts, like someone's head is spinning right now, just as mine was when that was first said to me, <laughs> like I get it. it it's, it's a process and give yourself some grace to work through it. Absolutely. You just got to find a different path ahead. So, um, but it, back, back to the book, you kind of had some interesting chapters in there. Uh, rocky relationships and, and love at war. And <laughs> that was a unique, um, unique perspective, but kind of curious what kind of feedback you you've had, you know, on that part, maybe. I'm, I'm glad side. you asked because that's, that is hilarious. Uh, it makes me think of something that's hilarious. So um, as far as <clears throat> feedback on me being honest about my struggle with relationships um, and, and really just, trying to fill a a void with that kind of stuff, whether it stems from, you know, growing up without a dad or if it stems just from dealing with my own hot mess of the transition back. Either way, it wasn't pretty. And it definitely wasn't pretty and comfortable to put it down on paper for the world to read. But I knew that when I was going to put my story down that I wasn't going to sugarcoat it. Uh, Actually, there was times where I thought about removing stuff and I was like, no, I mean, 
it is what it is. This is life. And, and if I'm going to be honest and put a story down, then I don't want anyone to look at it and be like, oh, why is she making herself out to be so wonderful? That that tramp broke my heart. Like, <laughs> I get it. Um, so I... I, the only things that I, a lot of people have given, I've gotten so much great feedback about the book and, um, how relationships, you know, help to foster my, my sanity over the years. But really when it comes specifically to relationships, I will be totally honest with you. Only two pieces of feedback come to mind. Number one, Back in July, when it first published, uh, one of my battle buddies who who I wasn't really good friends with on the deployment because she was actually like um, she was higher up, she was like head of the the talk, you know, like she was the the main communication person, um, and I was just some chump nineteen year old, you know, so like I didn't really have much communication with her other than like admin type things. She reached out to me in July and just rocked my world with her feedback, just talking about how she had been really struggling through some stuff. And, and after reading my book, like she could totally relate. She was having the same issues and just was kind of blaming it all on, um, everything else, whether it was them or herself. And then she came to the realization that like, that it's okay. And identify that like, um, I'm trying to think of what she said, but like being able to use that struggle to, to move on. And she just basically said that, um, she realized that she was, you know, coping with, with relationships and, uh, stuff like that. So, and she says that my, my book changed her life. And actually over the last year, her life has changed dramatically. And she has since like left a very, very, very unhealthy relationship, stepped into a completely different life where now she has, um, confidence in herself and she knows that like, she's going to be okay. And she can, she can be the person she knows she is. And, um, and now she's dedicating every day, uh, to volunteering for a non-for-profit, uh, veteran organization called Mattersville, where they rescue wolf dogs and, um, help build ground to be a self-sustainable life. Now, the other piece of feedback that I got recently, not as squishy feeling as that one, (laughs) it was a little bit more harsh, but I was on a, again, though, I'm not going to sugarcoat this stuff. I could keep this to myself, but I'm not that person. I was on a Wounded Warriors uh, woman social group call recently. And one of the gals, like, I don't know all of them very well. I've probably been on that social group like four times. And one of the gals was like, Oh, Jennifer, you know, I read your book. I told you I was going to read it. I read your book. I was like, thank you. I kind of knew from that statement that it, since it didn't go much further, that like, I was a little afraid to ask. Is this but a coming or something? <laughs> and I was like, how did you, I said, thank you so much for your support. Like, how did you like it? And she was like, you know, I, I was, I was kind of lost with all your relationships. Like, good God, how'd you get that many boyfriends? <laughs> I just kind of giggled. And I was like, yeah, 
so you liked it? I don't know. No. Like, and she, and then I, I just kind of laughed and I was like, honestly, like, I don't feel like it was a lot of, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. I did mention quite a few in there. And then um, a little bit, so she didn't really give me much feedback there. And then a little bit later she says, you know, but I'm still kind of confused. So you got blown up, you got sent back to the United States and then you got sent back to Iraq again. And I said, no, 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 no. Like I didn't get blown up. My husband got blown up and she's like, Oh, that makes more sense. Oh, I don't know. I was listening to it on Audible while I was cleaning the house. Maybe it's my fault. And so then I was like, okay. Maybe, I missed a few things then. Maybe you missed a few things and maybe you only caught, you know, like boyfriend A, boyfriend B, boyfriend C, whatever. Either way, like, yeah. I, I appreciate the feedback. And honestly, the only way that any of us will become better writers or better realtors or better at anything we do is if you give us the honest to God truth and and I give it its space. So absolutely, that is the only that. two. That's the only two things as far as relationships that uh, I got back. As far as all all the different ones I highlighted. God, it sounds so terrible saying it out loud. But if you're listening to this and you're watching this, it's not that I talk all about you know like being a hussy and having boyfriends. Like I just talk about. Um, trying to cope with uh, building a relationship with people, but I had never gotten over old Mr. Hobbs, you know, like I kept trying to cover a wound with a bandaid. And, and finally, when I realized that I needed to rip it off and not use duct tape, then it was then that I stopped talking about other relationships. I think you kind of have to go back and give some of that backstory. And I mean, you gave a little bit of your husband's backstory too. I mean, it's a, it's two perspectives. Two mm-hmm. people's lives that intertwine for a very short period of your lives together. And, you know, you're yeah. 18 years later, there's still more chapters of the book to be written. So really, but, uh, yeah, you know, I can see that really on the feedback on the, on the audio. If you got, if you get busy and you start listening to it, you may lose the fact that it's two right. perspectives and you may be getting to the stories confused, but yeah. And I actually, I just reached out to the company who I like, I did my, I submitted my audio book and I asked them, can I add a track at the beginning that says, this is a dual memoir. Some of the chapters are told by Hobbes, some of the, and, and they said I could. So I'm going to go add a track in there. Cause I know like, because it doesn't say that if you're not paying close attention or if you're not holding the book in your hand, you may not catch that. Jen is the chapters told by my perspective, whereas Hobbes are the chapters told um, from my husband's perspective. It's an interesting thing thing to think about because it could be that way too. If you have, uh, if there's another author out there that was maybe writing a book about multiple people's perspectives of an incident, the audio book may lose some of that translation. If you don't have that sound bite in the beginning or maybe in the beginning of the chapter, if it's like 10 or 15 people's stories, yeah, you might want to put that in there. So, like, like wonder. Oh, I love this book, and it has like eight different perspectives in it. And so, it probably, <laughs> probably is a good thing to just give that little heads up at the beginning, so people can track. Yeah, especially it. if you're listening to it where you can't can't associate it with that, with seeing it. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, it's um, it, it's an interesting book, and I can't wait to see what you have in book two. 
you know, about that, that ripple effect and coming home. Cause that's going to be really, really interesting to read. Yes. Well, you know, so what I really wanted for book two was I wanted to be able to highlight that ripple effect in the war at home. And as I, as I looked at the pages and pages that I had wrote, I, I was like, Oh man. So this is more of my perspective of the war at home. And I want to talk to a lot more people and do a lot more research um, and so then I realized like the war at home is not ready for book two. Like I need more time to research and more time to talk to people, people not even on my unit, um, not even in my unit. And so book two is really just the war at home only from my perspective. And, um, it will be called, I'm still working on my subtitle. I think I know what it's going to be, but, um, the main title will be, uh, triggered, which I think we can all relate to. Uh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, kind of a logical fit. <laughs> Triggered by the pink drink. <laughs> so your your podcast, Celebrate the Struggle, is that part of getting those other stories for you? Yes, it is. And it was, definitely, it was definitely one of the purposes of starting it. However, I also don't want to only limit it to veterans and their families. So like recently I had a gal on there that um, has cerebral palsy and um, she pre-pro, she has a lingraphia um, that she pre-programmed her answers into. And so again, just giving space to show that we all have struggle. It all looks completely different. Let's give it its space and, and show our perseverance and resiliency through it. And um, so for stories like hers or people who have fought cancer or, you know, people living without limbs or people who are survivors of assault and rape, just anything and everything to talk about, uh, you know, the things that maybe are tiptoed around or maybe have stigmas around them, but I really haven't gotten too many. I have tried to reach out to like people with, um, MST. Um, I'm in some groups to try and, uh, see if I can help get their stories out, even if it's anonymous. And, um, you know, people are just aren't willing yet with that. And that's, that's totally fine. So, um, so I think it always be a tough topic to get people to open up about. I've yeah. had a couple of guests on here talk about it. Um, and I try to be really careful about that. Like really make sure that I've had a conversation with a couple of times. Like, are you comfortable with this? Right. Like I have them kind of share their story. I try not to pry and ask too many deep questions just because you never know. But uh, I admire the strength of, of any woman or man that would come forward I with know. the story of that. That would be that would be a really tough one to come yes. forward on. I, I have had a couple of guests on that have spoke about it without me asking and and that's a good point to make. You know, even if we're not talking about MST and for those of you that don't know what that is, that's military sexual trauma. But even just having other people on here that are talking about Iraq or something else it, you know, you don't really ask too many questions because you don't want them to get uncomfortable. It's really just letting them be comfortable to share whatever uh, they want to. I had a wife on recently, a wife of one of my battle buddies. I really wanted to have her on because after I had 
him on, I was like, man, your wife sounds pretty awesome. I need to get her on here and share her perspective. And then it turned out that like she had struggled for years with um, an eating disorder to the point to where she was about to have a heart attack. And so just all these different conversations, like speaking them out loud, it's going to help somebody. And I'm, I'm, that's why I wanted to give space to celebrate the struggle to do that. And it'll definitely help some people. I mean, heck, even your book helps somebody, right? Somebody that you knew, you, you know, I, my podcast, I, I always had those thoughts of like, I don't know who it's going to help when right. or where, uh, and in what ways, you know, but I've, I've been approached by some people that are quite literally right here in my own backyard, uh, that have benefited by some of the episodes, um, spouses and veterans. So it's pretty cool to, to know, you know, it really is. It can be played anywhere around the world on any kind of device. And yet in your own backyard, you know, you're affecting people's lives in a positive way. So I got no doubt that, especially the ones episodes of yours that I've listened to, um, a lot of fascinating stories. And I think it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's powerful for people to hear those because I don't necessarily always go this deep, but I, I do appreciate those ones where, where people really open up and get kind of deep and vulnerable on things because right. that's where people relate. It's those emotions that, that exactly. they feel. So Exactly. And when you're authentic and vulnerable like that, when people are able to relate to it and it's then that we can, we can help them. If that's yeah, what they're there for, you know, if not, yeah. if they're just there to hear some great radio, some great conversations and learn stuff and, that that's that's the mission too, you know, for people to learn and become enlightened. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's definitely a great platform for you to to start having some conversations with other veterans and figure out what people's struggles are and help you write that other book. Yes. Uh, and help people in other ways. So can't wait to can't read wait to read book two and three and maybe whatever else you got in the future. Right. Right. <laughs> maybe by the time you get book three done, maybe I'll have book one done. <laughs> who knows it's a slow very slow process i hear you and so um, i try and read like three at a time it's ridiculous no i never do that i try it just one well it depends on what mood i'm in like i'm reading one for research i'm reading one for pleasure and then i have one on audible for when i'm in the car <laughs> okay that makes sense yeah i mean yeah for me it's usually just one at a time i just kind of yeah. pick a topic and i I like Audible. That's like that's that's my way to go mm -hmm. about things because I'm on the road a lot, or yeah. sitting down, or mowing the lawn, which will start that season here real soon. And and uh, hey, you know, it takes me about an hour, so I can get through one or two podcast episodes of, of different people. So mm -hmm. it's a great great time to, to do it and listen to it. But it's great multitasking. That it is. So once again, Jennifer, I appreciate you stopping by and sharing about your book and your podcast. And, and I'll say if anybody out there has a story that, that, uh, you know, you maybe want to tell on her podcast or mine, reach out to us, uh, all your contact, Jennifer's contact information will be in the show notes and reach out and see what we can do. Please do. And thank you so much for having me on here. Keep up the good work and everyone make sure that you subscribe to battle buddy podcast. Well, thank you. Just took the words right out of my, <laughs> right out of my mouth. I was going to play that right in. Don't forget to subscribe and follow. And for both of us, for both of us, absolutely. So I appreciate you stopping by, Jennifer. Thanks for having me, Keith. You have a fabulous Anytime. day. You Later too. battle.
All right, folks, don't forget to check out our website, battlebuddypodcast.net, for all sorts of resources. And if you are struggling, there's a National Suicide Hotline number is 800-273-8255, or you can text 838-255. 